What's up, guys? The High Street Freaks are back. Emphasis on plural freaks. Uh, Ryan had to fly solo last week because I had a uh, whew, unexpected, um, wild experience in Canada, but not necessarily not like not like the cool wild, I guess. Um, man, it was like long story short. Um, my family's up there. I went up to visit, and it just ended up being a completely unplanned. Um, I hesitate to say disaster because nothing like truly horrific happened. It's just like a classic case of mismanaging expectations. So Ryan got to to fill in for us. So uh, he was he was hearing all about play by play as things were going while I was up in Canada. Yeah, so he, and I want to I want to point out this this all started by I was actually in Columbus prior to last week's recording. I was in Columbus on like the Friday night after July fourth or the July seventh. I was there. Yeah. And Kevin was supposed to come hang out with me and Bill Landis and our friend Bill DiFilippo, who covers uh, Penn State, who was in Columbus, and a bunch of my like, real-life friends, too. And not those guys aren't real-life friends, but you know what I mean. And uh, <laughs> the computer friends. Uh, Kevin was, like, in as of, like, late afternoon and then sends a text at, like, 7.45 p.m. as we're getting ready to go to the bar. He's like, oh, I forgot that I have to go to Canada. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> and it took me like an, I was like then I was I was drinking, so my memory wasn't on the sharpest. But eventually, I think I remember what was happening. But you missed out a good time. I was uh, yeah, basically uh, Bill Bill Landis endorsed everything we've ever said about Ohio State football. So that's just he is he is our official endorsement. So that's good. Yeah. But uh, he agrees with all of my takes. You guys all have to agree with him too. Yeah, and Bill's Bill's the best. But man, like all in all, it was like it we and it was one of those things where had basically we went up there and we served as a my wife and I served as like a road trip driver for my dad to drive all the way across Canada and pick up some files like family files from a relative who's going to die soon and we love picking up files yeah and so like basically the we flew into Edmonton, which is where, which is a perfectly reasonable place for me to fly into because that's where all of my dad's family is, right? But then we um, first off, we had a gigantic like a, a, an hour de- or hour delay, a day delay on our flight because United sucks. But that's you know everybody knows that it was on me for flying United. Um, but it so like our day our trip started off like on a on a hitch a little bit. Um, but then he immediately picked us up. And we're driving, he's like, all right, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to drive to Vernon now. Like, and Vernon is on the other side of the Rocky Mountains from Edmonton. And so he he basically was like, basically sold it as like Vernon's really close to the Rockies and like Banff and stuff like that, which just isn't true. It's like four hours away. It's a, it's a a haul. Um, And he was like selling it as like, we can do all of these things in the Rockies and then just swing by Vernon on the way. And it quickly, we quickly started to realize, like, all of these things are, like, hours away from each other. There's just no way that we're going to be able to, like, do anything on this road trip to, to Vernon. And so, like, one thing led to another, and our plans just kept changing over and over and over. I basically ended up driving, like, 20-plus hours round trip in about a three-day span. Just flying you basically had, you had the experience that, like, you know, people from New Zealand have when they come to visit the United States, they're like, oh, yeah, you can just drive to everything in the West Coast. I can take a day trip to Seattle from Los Angeles. Yeah. Because you don't realize that's, that's the distance. What it, that's basically what it is. Like, you think that you're in the United States and so you can just fly, like, drive wherever. Like, 
the I did the equivalent, like my sister pointed this out. And like I, I am aware of Canadian geography. And had my dad told me this beforehand, like I would have known how insane this was. But like he basically it would have been the equivalent of like going to the beach in Miami and like flying into Atlanta to go to the beach in Miami. <laughs> and maybe people don't realize how insane that is, but like that's like it's like a, a day drive, like a 10 hour drive to just, I don't know. It, it was, it was, or like, like an, a, another good one would be like flying into Columbus to go to New York city. Like that, that's, that's, that's what it would be. <laughs> and we but love to do that. That's basically what I did. Like I flew into the Columbus airport to spend a day in New York, New York city. So, um, yeah, it was it was not super great. And like ultimately, if my dad would have told me beforehand like, "Hey, would you be willing to do this? This is what it's going to be." and like outlined the expectations like 100%, I would have done it and it would have been perfectly fine. We would have had fun. We would have like swung by Lake Louise and stuff like that, which we did do. But like it was just a mismanaged expectations of what our trip was going to be and I cannot emphasize enough that the majority of my waking time I spent in Canada, I was driving his van. So, um, yeah. So that was fast. That's awesome. Yeah. So, but I, I'm back. I'm back in Columbus, Ohio now uh, for quite a while. So, um, yeah. And we're, we're, we're potting and we got some stuff to talk about, I guess, uh, related to Ohio State football and related to, we're, we're going to be making our, our own later in this podcast, our own Ohio State coaching staff, our dream Ohio State coaching staff. You hear us bitch about the coaching staff a lot. and Pretty much it's, know, our, favorite thing to, it's our favorite thing to do, honestly. It, it pretty much is. And so now we're finally going to get the the answer to like, well, what would you do if you were the, you were the head coach? And that's basically how we're going to play it. But we'll get into that later. I think first. Hey, my answer, I would beat Michigan personally. I would beat Michigan if I was, the you head know, coach. I, I, I think, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a great, um, great plan. You know, I, I don't think that's endorsed by the athletic director, unfortunately, but um, I think that is generally speaking a good plan if you're going to be the Ohio state head coach. But um, yeah, this is, this is uh for, for those of you who might not know, um, God bless you if you don't, Ryan and I are part of a larger media conglomerate known as meetatmidfield.com. Um, and, you know, we're running in, in advance of the college football season, which is fast approaching, God bless. Um, we are running a little bit of a promotion. You can use the discount code July 25. Uh, for I believe, the numbers uh, two five, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the numbers two five. Don't we don't spell, so don't don't be writing out twenty five <laughs> here. Um, yeah, July, you actually have to know AP style to get the code. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> July two five, um, and that will I believe get you off, get you twenty five percent off of. Is it the year long in the in or the year long in the? It, it's it's any of your first purchase. If you want to buy a month, you get twenty five percent off the month. If you want to buy. Uh, a year or semi-annual, you get 25% off that. If you're an existing member on the monthly and you want to upgrade to semi-annual or annual or just add another year on, you can get 25% off doing that. Um, so, yeah, man. I mean, it's 25% off your first purchase for anybody. So that's first month or first semi-annual, first annual. However you want to do it, um, you know, you can upgrade. Uh, we'd love to have you, of course, get you access to the board, the premium podcast. So, like, this episode you guys are hearing now is premium right now. 
if you're listening to this um not later. on not on july 19th yeah. <laughs> uh it's going to be a it's going to be an unlocked premium so the people who are hearing this for free right now uh, our subscribers heard this a week ago um you're hearing it now and if you want to hear the second part of this where you finish the coach draft you'll have to subscribe um you're gonna love it though look we're gearing up for the season there's a lot of great content right now um, if you're on the fence about this, since here in this podcast, you can also read all of our written content uh, from last week. So all of the ACC previews are 100% free. Uh, it's kind of a sample of what we do. It's in-depth, super intense college football coverage. A lot of Ohio State fans on there, but also a lot of national fans. So, you know, we have fans from Georgia and Tennessee and LSU and Michigan, of course, is a huge piece. Penn State, uh, a lot of fans in Notre Dame, I think, is on there. A lot of fans all over the country who are weighing in with their team's knowledge as well, not just the Ohio State stuff. So you get access to all of that, plus the articles, plus the premium podcasts. Um, it's really fun, and you know we'd love to have you, of course, and get the site even bigger. Uh, put some money in our pocket, listen for free. It's basically the tip jar for me and Kevin. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it, a fun I, I time. Think, I think we pride ourselves on being the correct kind of insane about college football. Um, yes, we're, we're not. This is. It's not the the QAnon insane. It's the. I don't know the yeah the, it's not um the, the burn Ryan Day and effigy in his front yard type of insane. It's not Cameron Babb style insane. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that's I, oh God. I, I don't we don't know. have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was gonna say I don't know how much in the weeds we're gonna get here, but. It's it's one of those things where like I can't I don't even feel like I can make a comment about things like that because the amount of explaining I would have to do to like an average person about it's it's just <laughs> it's that that's yeah like, it's it's one of those where like sometimes I'll just sigh or like make a bad look bad face about like my Twitter account and my wife Taylor will look at me and be like what and I'll be like. It's, you don't want to know. It's, it's like yeah. six levels deeper than you want to know. And she's like, okay. And she believes me at this point. At the beginning of our relationship, she'd be like, we'll try to explain it. And then we'd be sitting there for 30 minutes. And she's like, that was only kind of funny. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> and people people do love jokes that are explained to them usually. But uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Well, there, there is an old, and this is, this is actually an interesting segue because he is the one who did all the work for the section that we're going to talk about next. Um, Tony, Tony Gerdeman, he had a tweet one time. Um, and I, I, I don't remember this, the hundred percent specifics of it, but it was like an Ohio state record. And, um, his wife asked him like, why is everybody making this joke? And he says, well, this one time back in 1992, and she was like, "Never mind." <laughs> I, I feel that like like once a Saturday in, in in the fall. So God, yeah. I mean, that is the best part about college football, though. Is like, I think it is kind of unapproachable sometimes for new people to get into. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of what makes it fun is all of like the years of references, like making jokes about Earl Campbell's stiff arm that happened, you know, forty three years ago. Is like half the fun. Like you know, making Woody Bauman jokes are like, <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. yeah. It's a uh, Wayne Bauman, right? What was the guy that Woody punched? Wayne Bauman? It was, yeah. yeah. I think it was Wayne Bauman. I always love how how irate Nebraska fans um, still make sense or, or still get if you tell them that Tommy Frazier's run was overrated and they just couldn't tackle. <laughs> That's a good one. I like I like to bring that one up. But yeah, college football is it's it's man. I, I, another good one before we get into this. So that we've we've got time to to talk about some national stuff. Um, how about uh, um, Jeremy Pruitt 
dropping George Floyd is uh, dude. Oh my god, dude, that was that was like one of another thing that like it's only hilarious to college football fans and to everyone else. They're like, what the fuck? Like this reads like a mad lib. But yeah, how could you explain it? Yeah, I mean, just like saying you're doing reparations when you're playing college football recruits is so funny. <laughs> with, with especially if you know bag. Yeah, dude. Especially if you know Jeremy Pruitt's politics too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the best part. Like that's the best part is like. Or how about? Oh, sorry. No, you're good. I uh, say, so how about Brian Kelly too at, at SEC Media Days, like saying he's concerned about player safety at practice right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, again, Brian Kelly. Fam- famously has not directly led to the death of any college football or uh, any uh, college sports staffers. So obscene dude, just such yeah. a, Oh my God. Um, yeah, that's, that's the college. That's football, tough. It's, it's the best and the worst. It's like, it sincerely is like WWE, but you don't need to write the characters. <laughs> they write themselves. Like the villains write themselves. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, how about Brent Venable's heel turn where he's just taking shots at everyone? He just. It's um, so good. Dude, he started. He was Dion today, but it was someone else before that, right? It was. um. I didn't see the one oh, before that. Oh, he made fun of someone else just like days before that where. Oh, it was Billy Napier, uh, really? I think. No, no, sorry. It was Mario Cristobal. It was Mario Cristobal at Miami. He was making fun of like. He was like talking about how they had a tough season, but it's not as bad as the Middle Tennessee or like. <laughs> Just like he said, he, and it wasn't just that. He said like two more very specific things from Miami season where he was like directly calling out Cristobal. I think it's a recruit against them for a couple D linemen, which is funny. Right. But like, I mean, and then he called out Dion today, or he, like he's just guys he has no regional rivalries with, guys he's not competing against on the field. Right. Just other coaches he's like talking shit. Just on, dropping. Just for the love of the game. I yeah. love it. I love it personally. I think we need more of that. I would love Ryan Day to just like go out and talk shit about Deion Sanders. That'd be the funniest thing. Yeah, he's gonna say he's gonna drop a hundred on him. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, when we lose four games and end up playing Colorado in a bowl, Deion Sanders is, is <laughs> he's on, on notice. notice. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what I was what I was alluding to with the Tony Gerdman thing, which was uh, our our one um, big topic that we wanted to talk about before we got into our uh, fun little draft here. Um, so Tony Gerdman came up with this. He pulled out basically. So I I think we all know that the claims that Mickey Marotti and all of pretty much just Mickey Brody. I don't really know anybody else who's defending this um, about how there aren't significantly more injuries um, in recent years compared to previous years. We all know that that's bullshit, um, but he seems to just be perpetuating it anyway. So do you, do you want to break down this data for us? Because Tony Gerdeman actually did the digging and came up with, with the the juice on this yeah so first of all tony gerber works for buckeye huddle uh, you guys should subscribe there too if you're the ohio state freak likes korean info they're awesome they're the best at it but tony was on there breaking it down um which is funny because like this is not an insult to tony anyway like i think he would tell you this too like tony's an ohio state fan right like obviously tony likes ohio state so for him to like do a post like this just directly calling out a lie that a coach made it has to be pretty stupid he just isn't pretty dumb for tony to get mad at you i think and that's fair. Like, Mick Marotti is directly claiming, like, his turf, there's no injury in this. Like, obviously, there's there's larger math on that that I don't have in front of me. But, like, 
The NFL has done reports on this year over year where there is a clear difference in field turf injuries and also certain kinds of field turf are worse than others. Ohio State's being, I think, the worst of the bunch, basically, um, which is shout out to Gene. He's always doing great at managing this program. Thank you, Gene Smith, as always. Uh, little things matter so much to you. Um, Tony pulled up the numbers, which is, is kind of compelling because I think what you'd point to here and I'll explain why in a second, is not that it's the field turf causing Uh the rise in recent injuries for Ohio State, but in fact, it's the part that we have a shitty strength coach uh, who Uh lost the guy who was actually good at strength coaching in his program, and then the injuries spiked noticeably. So here's where he has data from. the new. I I wish he had 2012 and 2013 as well as a baseline, like before the new field turf, but nonetheless. 2014, Ohio State installs a new field turf. It has two starters miss four total games that season. The following season, this is when, by the way, I should know, Mick Marotti is the head strength coach here. He has been since 2012. Um, Anthony Schlegel was the assistant strength coach from 2012, 2014 as well. And 2015, from, sorry. From from what I, We've talked about this on the pod before. From what I have gathered from talking to a lot of people um, around the program is that Anthony Schlegel was very highly regarded. He wasn't just, because the strength stuff, there's a ton of assistant strength coaches on staff there. And a lot of them are just Mickey Marotti, like, puppets or they've worked under him whatever um anthony schlegel from what i've gathered was a very highly regarded and is a very highly regarded strength coach um there's a reason why he followed urban meyer to was it he did follow urban to jacksonville right he had hired his urban's guy at jacksonville basically after after ohio state I don't think I don't know what he was doing. Oh, he was head of training company. He had been hosting. He had a, he had a show on the fan for a minute. Before that, he had like a personal training company where he was being a personal trainer. Yeah. It was called Schlegel Hardcore Elite Training. He for sure made way funny. more money doing that. By the way, like there's a hundred probably way more money. Yeah, <laughs> I just know how that goes. He the, the number of people who would pay a, a former Ohio State strength coach to yeah come on like big time. Um, so Schlegel was doing that. But while he was at Ohio State, I mean, yeah, he basically got that job right after coming from the NFL. And what's that note, too, is when he was at Jacksonville, he was like, they were one of the few teams where guys were actually staying to train at Jacksonville. Because yeah. what's what's pretty common is players in the NFL do not work at all with the strength and conditioning teams uh, at their NFL team, aside from, like, directly during the season. These guys all work with their own personal coaches, uh, or they go back to their colleges. A lot of guys do that, especially, like, Ohio State and Pitt. That's pretty huge. Ohio State less nowadays for obvious reasons. Um, but uh, a lot of guys go back to their college or, or even their hometown and have their own personal coach work with them. Uh, but a lot of guys were staying in Jacksonville when Schlegel was there because he is very good at what he does. And, and to boot, this is where the numbers point out here, Schlegel was there 2011 to 2015. 2014, like I said, Ohio State saw that new field turf. only had two starters get injured. They missed four total games. In 2015, they had two starters miss three total games. In 2016, the first season without Anthony Schlegel on the strength and conditioning staff, Ohio State had two starters miss a combined 21 games. That's two season ending injuries. In 2017, they had 10 total starters miss time for 22 total games. 2018 is 10 starters missing 26 games. It dips down slightly in 2019. Eight starters missed 22 games. Uh, COVID, for obvious reasons, makes it hard to talk about. So we're going to skip 2020. 2021, 14 starters missed 28 combined total games. 2022, 14 starters missed 33 combined games. I mean, this is just obscene. So we're going from two starters when Schlegel was on the staff, two starters every year that Schlegel was on the staff, to now 14 starters in back-to-back years. Yeah. 
and, and, you, and like, you, can't, you can't look at these numbers and say, well, nothing's different. Like, it's the same thing. Like, you, like that's just a lie. Sure, it's an absolute lie. And, like, I don't have the numbers 2012 and 2013, but just anecdotally, like, I recall Braxton Miller missing a game or two, but not much besides that, right? There like, I mean, like... John, John Simon missed the Michigan game. Um, okay. So you have a couple games where, like, a guy missed here or there, but by and large, the team, like, you, you that's, yeah. like... Uh, you know, like Carlos Hyde played the whole time pretty much. Like the receivers never got really got hurt. Um, yeah. You're just talking about a couple of games here. It's pretty much the same as 2014, 2015. Uh, the spike is very obvious. It's because Mick Marotti, like doesn't know how to train, train football players. Well, and, he trains on like bodybuilders. And and like more than that, I think what you're seeing too with um, the nature of the injuries too, because 14 starters, 28 games, like that averages two games a starter, 14 starters, 33 games. That's a little more than two games a starter. Like what I'm getting at is those are very indicative of soft tissue injuries that just linger and keep you out for a week or two or three weeks or whatever. And then you get right back and you end up playing through that injury, which is exactly what's happened. And it's not that it's like a freak injury that's completely unavoidable. And like, they're all just adding up whatever, like, these are soft tissue injuries that keep you sidelined for a couple games and then limit your, uh, you know, the way that you can play the rest of the season. Like that's exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what that points to. Yeah. It's very frustrating. I think it's like, it's just more confirmation what we know, which is that Mick is bad. Like I've already pointed out to you guys on this podcast and elsewhere, the the process is bad, but many times, many times, but it's nice to see the results confirm it too. Like it's good on Tony for doing the legwork to do this. And, and more, more than that, like, this is starting to be, like, a normalized take, too. Like, it's not, like, before it was, like, a fringe, like, you know, concern or whatever. But, like, I, it's even to the point that I think it was last year someone asked Ryan Day if there was a problem with, like, the medical staff or the training staff. And, of course, and he, he said, said jack shit, but, yeah. Well, oh, he, he said they're going to evaluate, he, yeah. He, he basically said, I don't know, like, like look at the numbers, basically, is what he said. Like, he did not he, he did not give his classic, like, canned, um, everything's fine, you know, we're winning games answer. He basically said, like, who's to say? Like, maybe at this point, like, it does seem a little weird, doesn't it? Like, that was the vibe that he gave off. And so if you've lost Ryan Day in that capacity, like, that means that people are starting to take notice. And Ryan Day is the biggest, like, scaredy-cat baby in the world, right? Ryan yeah, Day sure. is terrified. He has been so nice to everyone who's ever worked for him, except for Kerry Combs. <laughs> and uh, now, apparently, Mick Roddy, too. Um, look, man, I mean, we're winning hearts and minds, Kevin. Hearts and minds are being won over. Um, I am looking forward to the day Mick Roddy is gone, and I can just tweet out, kiss the ring. Although, I, I I do fear that he has, like, some Henry Kissinger vibes to him, where yeah, he man. is going to, like, retire on his own terms. It's going to piss me off so much if it happens that way. If he just gets to coach you for 10 more years and retire on his own terms, I'll lose my mind. He sucks. He fucking yeah. sucks. I just, I, I think there if, if there is another problem with, like, injuries and soft tissue injuries and stuff like that, and, like, I, I know that you're upset by more than just the soft tissue injuries. You're upset by, like, players the methods being, yeah, yeah, the, the methods say, yeah, and yeah. players not being in the correct shape or size to play um but i i think if there's another the obvious thing that gets the average fan pissed off is when an availability report pops up and all of a sudden there's three new starters on that are unavailable for the upcoming game against wisconsin with nothing to you know no explanation at all like that's what pisses people off so um, and, and i think, and I think more so again. yeah 
If I think oh, and more so, you gotta explain it. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It. Like that's 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 the larger thing is um, people get super frustrated when these guys just pop up and like there's no explanation about it at all. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and we're we're getting on the soapbox again, but like the players also hate that too. I I think that's the thing is like the the people who try to defend that are like, oh well, you know, it's a privacy thing for the players, and no, it's um, not. No. No, it's not. The, the players, I a hundred percent, a hundred percent guarantee you that the players would like their injuries to be disclosed because they don't like the um what what inevitably ends up happening, and you saw it with like Bryce Sensabaugh and stuff like that, even when. Um, he, this is basketball, obviously, but like when he had a pretty documented injury and, you know, is still rehabbing his knee, whatever you had, the people that were complaining that, um, he was maybe just sitting out the big 10 tournament because, you know, he could have, so it, it ends up speculation and it's not fair to the players when the coach has to speculate on, or when play or when fans end up speculating on players injuries and players toughness and stuff like that. Like, I mean, straight up, we did, we did that with Travion Henderson all year last year like we yeah. did that a lot and that's that's not fair to him but also like what are we going to do because we don't have the information like we we have to speculate right. like if if it's and then like the jsn stuff went national yep exactly exactly yeah that, that's another one is we everybody's left to speculate on shit like that because you just don't talk about injuries like i don't know it's it's very frustrating and it only leads to problems yeah you don't have to lead to problems though kevin home field apparel home field apparel wow. solves problems uh I, it, it's I've heard that they're solving world hunger. Is that true? They're solving world hunger. Uh, 100% of your dollars go towards world hunger. Uh, that's a fact. There's no cost. They get, they, they make these t-shirts free. Um, and so that's, it's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation provides these t-shirts on Phil Apparel, which they then sell for a profit and also to solve world hunger. And you can um, actually eat the shirts too, so. Yes, so true. Yeah, it's the first ever edible college football apparel. Um, <laughs> One day we're going to get sued. That's going to be the end of the, end of the company. Don't eat um, shirts. Don't shirts. Shirts. <laughs> shirts are great. They 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 keep you they keep you warm when it's when it's cold outside. They keep you cool when it's hot outside. Uh, they keep you dry when it's rainy. Um, and when it's dry, they keep you damp. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's the best. The best t-shirts. The best. The best hoodies. The best everything. Um, there is new shit coming, uh, this season, but there's also a lot of awesome stuff that's come out recently from teams that have nothing to do with Ohio state. Like if you're like me or Kevin, I think, and don't really like buying apparel from teams that Ohio state could like ever conceivably play. They have a lot of bad teams too, which is great. Like a lot of just cool, cool gear from shitty teams. Um, so check them out. Use the code media midfield for 10% off your first purchase and, and, and get some hope on gear. And, and I will say, you never know when you're going to need to root for another team. I will never forget my yep. my good friend Mason, uh, listener of the pod, um, who just when Ohio State needed Utah to beat U- USC to get in the college football playoff, he just had a Utah hoodie ready to go. Like, he was just, like, like pulled it right out of his closet, and suddenly he's a Utah fan. And so, like, I, you know, I, I respect that. I think he went to an Ohio State volleyball game that night wearing a Utah, Utah Utes uh, sweatshirt. And so... Um, can't knock that. Uh, you, you just you never know. You, you never know. Wouldn't you have loved to be the one guy that had an Appalachian State shirt back in 2007? That amazing. Like when Michigan went down. So you, you never. And know. also just build that collection. Just cheering, like getting like you know you're on like hour seven of watching college football the day yep. and rooting for a random upset with your boys, uh, and you've had like probably 12 beers at that point. You can go into your closet and pull you out that t-shirt. Hero. You oh, are it's a hero. The best. If if you walk downstairs with whatever shirt. If if like you're rooting for like Oklahoma to lose to Army and it's like a, a three point game in the last two minutes, you come down with an Army shirt on, like you are a hero. 
So, um, yeah, you, you, you just, you can't emphasize that enough. Uh, probably just buy the whole store just to be safe, like one from each team and, uh, you, you'll probably be solid there, but, um, yeah, I strongly endorse home field apparel and buying reckless amounts of college football apparel. So, yeah, um, hundred percent. Um, you know what we should get into here, dude, is probably our, uh, probably our podcast, probably our, our drafting of some coaches. Do yeah. you, uh, do you have anything else you want to get into before we do that? I don't think so. I think this is kind of the heart, heart of it all at this point. And um, so, so, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to draft our dream Ohio State coaching staff, basically. Um, and, yeah, and, well, 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 we're, kind we're, of. we're not, yeah. not dream, not dream. We're going to do this realistically as, as realistically as, as, as can be done basically. So we're going to do it as if this is the way I'm understanding it. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, because I have been wrong before and I will be wrong again on this podcast. But I think we are basically approaching this as if we got hired at Ohio state right now is the head coach. What, who would we realistically hire or be able to hire to build our staff at Ohio state. And so that means yeah. that for the most part, we can't really do like lateral moves. Like you're not going to be able to just like hire Marcus Freeman to be Ohio state's linebackers coach, even though like Correct. maybe in five years you could based on the trajectory. <laughs> that's not, that's, that's not how we're doing it now. So, He's on the Steve Adazio plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he'll, he'll, he'll be, he'll be coaching Ohio state linebackers in five years. Mark my words. Um, but we're we're not going to do that now. You can't just like grab yeah. somebody and like like Luke Fickle cannot be Ohio State's defensive coordinator. Like that's that's right. just so um no, yeah. So no, the, the, no lateral like moves said, or unrealistic moves. Right. So and we're kind of I mean like I think most of the ones we have built on our respective lists will probably fit that. Maybe we can ha- haggle over some of them if we need to. Um, I think but my understand. I think we're probably fine. But my understanding is like. Every assistant currently in Ohio State's uh, 10 counted assistants, so all 10 of Ohio State's on-field assistants and the head coach just appeared from the planet Earth. Me and Kevin are hired. Basically, we're in a mock interview with Gene Smith. We're being asked to fill out what are your head coach, what are your assistant hires right now, how are you building out your staff, um, and we're doing this in a competitive environment. So Kevin, me and Kevin are both drafting. We can't double up on guys. Um, it's a snake draft, so whoever goes first, we have the next two picks, the next two, et cetera, et cetera. We should um we should flip a coin. We should do that. Do you want to pull up a coin flipping app of some kind? Yeah, um, I got you. I got you. You're just gonna figure out who goes first. You're just gonna. I, I believe you. Okay. Um, coin flip app. When online coin toss. Okay. And I should know we we, uh, we planned to do this uh, last week. So I, I like. I built up this huge big board and Kevin did some work on his too. I think I'm, I'm like, we're sharing notes here between the two of us. But like we basically have a lot of coaches drawn up. Um, I did this like a week and a half or two weeks ago at this point. So I am I've forgotten uh, <laughs> a lot of what I'm doing. Yeah. So I am I was, relying on a lot of my institutional knowledge of just exactly. like, exactly. That's it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going straight up. Like I, last week would have been a lot more, uh, in the weeds, I guess, but I'm, I'm going more on vibes right now. So, um, but they're good vibes. They're they're knowledgeable vibes. So you you want to get this this coin toss going? What, what yeah, I'll you let got you it. call it. I'll let you call it since I have the the app here. Do you want heads or tails? Uh, I'm a tails kind of guy. Okay. I'm like Stephen A. Smith. It is tails. Let's go, dude. Um, I would like to take the second me, two me, picks. 
Does you want the second two picks, and you want me to take first? Correct. Damn. Okay. That is tough. Then. Uh... <laughs> Sorry if I surprise you. We can talk this out. I mean, no, 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 no. You're you're good. Um, I just uh, the obviously the the first pick is going to be a DC or a, or an OC. Like, there's just like I'm not I'm not taking a running backs coach first overall. So I'm I'm just talking this out with you. Um, yeah. And and it's just a matter of like who. You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go OC, and I'm gonna go Andy Ludwig. Okay, I, great hire. Yeah, I, I I think there there are a few there are a few uh, for those of you who don't know um, Andy Ludwig of Utah. Um, I I love that offense. I love it's one of the more creative offenses in in college football, and I think it really. I mean, you saw what it did to Ohio State back in uh, 2020. Was it 2020? Mm-hmm. 2022. No, 2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2
there's a lot of good hires in a lot of spots here but if you're if you're asking me to truly pick the biggest the biggest gap between option one and option two in any single option here any single position um is between my first pick who is charlie partridge of Pitt, the defensive line coach and anyone else available that's fair um yeah. there there are a lot of really good coaches out there but i think like if you're looking at the best d-line coaches in america it is in some order you know, Larry Johnson of Ohio State, who in this scenario has been kidnapped and disappeared, whatever, abducted by aliens. You have Trey Scott at Georgia. And then you can maybe say Odell Haggins of Florida State. But the next guy is Charlie Partridge, who, yeah. like, not only is, like, a good recruiter. Like, Partridge is relatively young. He's in his late 40s. Has already been a head coach at this level. He was a Florida Atlantic head coach. He produces the best D-line in college football or close to it basically every year. Uh, he, they, Pitt has been top three in this in the country in sacks uh three years or sorry four years in a row uh four years in a row of top three sacks in the country at fucking pit multiple first rounders um he also is like their only good recruiter <laughs> yeah. like they i think they've signed I, I have the numbers pulled up somewhere on a best short post somewhere in america but like he i think they signed like four this is top of my head like 14 blue chips last four years and he was responsible for like nine of them yeah like every top guy they get is from him uh, he's a dog. He's great in Florida. He's great in Ohio. He's great in Pennsylvania. Like you want to see him do better in Georgia, I guess. If you like, if you're kind of nitpick, but he's basically good everywhere. Ohio State recruits. Um, he is my pick far and away. I'm gonna get double up on defense here too, and I'm thinking about a few guys. I'm trying to figure out who I want to go with at my DC spot, which is my second hire. Um, man, I think. Hmm. I basically have three options here in my mind. Um, I'm going to talk them out a little bit here because maybe it makes better podcasting. Uh, and maybe I'll give you some, maybe I'll give you some ideas too. Uh. I, I, I have, I have two guys. And so that's, I, I want to see if you overlap with me at all. I have two guys. Okay. That I want and um, at DC. So at, at DC. And that's, that's kind of the game you have to play. Cause since there's only two of us, um, I just, I'm going to get one of my two guys. So we'll see yeah, if there's any overlap at all. The three guys I'm thinking about, like a lot of good options out there. The three guys I'm really leaning on are Joe Rossi of Minnesota, longtime Big Ten defensive co- coordinator. Uh, I have Tony Gibson of NC State, who is, again, a, a longtime very successful coordinator. He is a guy who I also know, I, I've kind of talked to him about the recruiting trail, my my past life. Uh, I just know is like a bag dropper and a, a vicious recruiter, so I like him. And the other one is an Ohio State alum who is – the head coordinator for Charlie Partridge, Randy Bates, was at Pitt. Yep. Um, Randy Bates has been, I mean, the challenge with Bates is he works under Pat Narduzzi, so he's run the whole Narduzzi system. But the defense also does not look as old Narduzzi defenses. They've updated a good bit. But I think, look, basically the reason Pitt's good every year is because their D-line is nasty and their secondary calls overlap very well what their defensive line is doing. And I think I'm just going to keep it simple. And I'm importing the two good coaches from Pitt's like system with Randy Bates and Charlie yeah. Partridge. So I'm taking Randy Bates at DC and Charlie Partridge at DL. Okay. I like that. Um, were those guys on your board? I mean, you don't have to spoil your picks, but were so those three guys I named on your board? Two of the three were on my board. The the one that, okay. the one that was not was uh, Rossi of Minnesota. And I guess yeah. Bates, Bates was fringe on my board. Um, I will... I'll, you had a guy you want, yeah. I I'll, I'll talk I'll talk through um, the 
the, the what my pick ends up being. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, well, you, also, you don't have to make it because I'm, I'm not going to be able I'm, to go another DC. Right. Yeah. I, that, that's kind of my thing. Um, I'm, I'm probably, we're going to see how the rest of my defense shakes out because it kind of depends on which defensive coordinator I end up taking. So, um, yeah. Damn. Okay. Um, so here we are. Uh, that does make things a little interesting because I was for sure planning on, um, on um, doing a, I was going to go oh, D line next too, but now I don't yeah. need to. Were you going to take Partridge? I assume, or were you going to need someone else then? Well, Partridge was my number one for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. But since he is gone, I know who I'm going to take next. But yeah. there's no point in taking who I was going to take next. L- let me let me say uh, let me say really quick just a little more Randy Bates. Talk a lot about Partridge here. Um, like this is the most Ohio man alive. Like he, <laughs> uh, he was at Muskingum was his very first job as the O line. He was the O line coach at Muskingum. Got a job at Miami of Ohio. Uh, he spent a few years bouncing around. Ended up back at Kent State in the late nineties. Um, he was at Northwestern forever. He was like, he wasn't the DC. It was um, Hank Witz was the DC forever at Northwestern. But Randy Bates like the number two, and basically. You know, he wanted to get away from Pat Fitzgerald and Hank Wentz and get his own job, and he became the DC for Pat Narduzzi at Pitt, where he's been there since 2018. Um, I will say, like the marriage of Mike Hankwitz, who's one of the best coordinators in the country, and Pat Narduzzi, who was under Mark D'Antonio, has that tree, and it's a very good DC. And just knowing that Bates works well with um, with Partridge, and also hey, he's a background like he's coached defensive backs, coached linebackers, coached offensive line, like knows the whole system inside and out. I am hiring him as a true coordinator. I'm not doing the Ryan Day thing where I'm going to hire a sole such teams coordinator. I plan to have five defensive coaches and five offensive coaches. Um, And I know Bates is going to be a coordinator, kind of overseeing the whole thing. I don't need to, I don't need to think about him recruiting. Um, Very, very good coach. He's 63 years old, a little bit troubling, but I think I got another five or six years of him at least. Yeah. Plus he's at the alma mater, right? Right. Yeah. You you got to. So Um, I wonder, did he, I'm trying to see if he played at Ohio State. I should look this up. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's Google Randy Bates, Ohio State. Hmm. It doesn't seem. I don't. It doesn't sound familiar that he did. So I don't. I don't know. Yeah. But. Yeah. You got a bachelor's there. <laughs> um. He also is a retired naval lieutenant, so I don't think he played for Ohio State. He went to the fucking Navy. That's how serious this guy is. I'm getting a Navy lieutenant to run my uh, run my thing. I love that. All right. Well, I can I can make my pick if if you will have me. Um, Let's do it. You get two picks, but yeah, I do. I do. I I, I do get two. Um, I'm gonna start. God, how do I want to play this? Um, Okay, I'm going to do, um, I feel like I should do defense, but I may, maybe, I'll maybe, maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll double up on offense. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk this out just so that people can, people can understand my thought process and there's not just blank here. My thing is that I think defensive line is by far, you've heard my my uh, thought process on this. I think that is by far the most important position on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and so, if I'm, you know, drafting a position coach, 
if I'm drafting a defensive coordinator and a defensive line coach, like you did it right by doing those yeah. two position groups at first. But since you already have those, I can take my pick at both of those guys that are next. And I don't really want to waste a high round pick on a linebackers coach or necessarily a defensive backs coach when I can get a DC that specializes in defensive backs. So Justifiably, yeah. Yeah. I think I am going to actually go with um, offensive line coach. Fuck. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. There's, there's a couple guys that I was, that I was keying in on here. You, were you going to go with a, uh, with a uh, offensive line coach? Uh, it was, it was, I was certainly an option. I, I wasn't like married to anyone yet, but it was someone in my I, mind. Okay. The, the guy that, the guy that spoke to me, I, I was, I was keying in on defense for a while, but the guy that speaks to me here is um, Brian Callahan at Minnesota. That's, he he was very high on my board. I was like a one A one B situation. He was one B for me. So, so I, I'll say that. Yeah. So I I don't I don't think anybody who has paid attention to Minnesota's offensive line um, of late, I don't really think that needs a ton of explanation here. But um, I am a huge fan of these kind of those big Big Ten West like style of guys that yeah. do more with less. And um, I, I am very intrigued to how those guys translate when uh, they are suddenly given a recruiting pool like Ohio State. And I just feel like the offensive lines that he has been able to assemble at, um, at Minnesota, I would be ecstatic to have him do that at Ohio State. Um, and I don't know. I, I that's, that's my thought process there. Um, yeah. But I, I think the thing in your benefit too, he's probably the best recruiter of the online coaches listed here. Like not there's not not a lot of online coaches who can recruit at all, and right. he's one of them. Right. Um. So that I mean, yeah, that's it, O line is a it's kind of a bleak position, especially when you're looking at like Ohio State connections right now, which is kind of wild given how Ohio State's produced at the offensive line um for the past you know couple decades, whatever. But uh especially guys that Ohio state would like conceivably hire. Um, they're just, there's not a lot. And I, I don't know. That's, that's just, that's where I'm going. I think that it's super important when I already have my coordinator to kind of get a strong, you know, um, unit up front to, to kind of start things off here. Okay. I like it. It's a good pick. I mean, he's a, he gets some nasty lines. I mean, the way he got Daniel Falale was a really impressive, uh, as a recruit, that was a pretty big battle. Um, he also was pretty good at just identifying guys out of nowhere, too. Um, who else are you thinking about? Um, is he the next pick as well? Offensive lines, or do you want me to go next pick? Uh, no, I mean, I think I agree with you. I'm not going to spoil my pick yet because it's, it's, I have someone. You're, you're, uh, I mean, I'll, too. yeah, I'll, I mean, not, not right now, but whenever yeah, I, know, I but think I, mine, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got you. I yeah. Got you. Okay. Um, next, I am probably going to stick on offense. Um, do I want to go quarterbacks or wide receivers? Um, man, listen, I, you're going to laugh at me for this pick, I think. Oh, I never laugh at you, buddy. No, I, 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 this is this is definitely bold, and it's probably a reach here. 
I'm going Joker Phillips. Let's go. I knew you love him. You love Joker Phillips. I do love Joker Phillips. And my thing is, in the NIL era, you need a guy who, especially recruiting um, kind of those South Florida kids or those like wide receivers or divas, you need a guy who's willing to get kind of down and dirty. And that is kind of my thought process here. Obviously, you're not going to find a, you're not going to get a, a Brian Hartline, a, like immediate replacement. It's just not going to happen. Um, but Joker Phillips is a guy who I would have happily had replace uh, Zach Smith back in the day. Um, easily, easily would have done it. He's got SEC experience. Now he's coaching over at NC State. I think that. He is his his wide receiving core is underrated at NC State right now. This is the sort of guy that you bring him back to a Power Five program like Ohio State. I think he's going to be an excellent recruiter. Um, you surround him in the in a good offense and you get him in a good player pool. I don't know. I just I I understand that he, there are sexier picks necessarily that are on there. Um, I I I wanted to um, reach and go with Kenny Guyton, but I wasn't going to do it. Um, there's, there's just, there's a few in there that, that could have been options, but Joker Phillips is like, I don't know. Like, like I said, you, you know, I've been in on Joker Phillips for quite a while. I love his old recruiting yeah. graphics that he used to make, um, come play for the Joker or whatever. Th- those were a plus, but Did I, I missed that era of just customized wide receiver coach graphics. Zach Smith was such a fucking lunatic that he was fighting with that guy. And then also, uh, at wideouts, the guy who was at Nebraska yes. at DUI. Yes. Keith something, right? Keith, um, I forget his last name, but yeah. Yeah. And, and another guy I really liked too, I almost went with was Lonnie Galloway. Um, he's too, really he's too serious yeah. for me, I think was, was my other pick at, at wide receiver, but I want, I really want a guy. Um, I, I'm going to usher in the new era, era of Ohio state football, where our guys are just willing to drop bags and willing to do the dirty work to get, uh, you know, get those receivers. And I think that Joker Phillips was doing that back in the day when it was illegal. Um, hopefully he is still keen to do it these days. hundred percent. That's a good pick. I like it, man. Um, I, uh, I respect that one. I think it was a, a, he's a, he's a very recruiting driven hire, which is, I think, yes. I think good to have, you know, he wouldn't have a dude who just big recruits for you. Um, damn. I do like our complete divergence on who we're going after right now. Yeah, uh, I you mean, going all. <laughs> it's just it's it's that's the nature of it. We talked about it before we kind of started recording that this would have been a little more interesting, and maybe we'll play this for next year or something. Um, we can get like Patrick involved, maybe some other people, whatever. But yeah, it is it like because it's just like a duel. There's no incentive for me at all to take an offensive coordinator or an offensive line coach or a, a yeah, defensive you- coordinator or a defensive line coach, and vice versa for you. So. The problem is, I I agree with you 100%. The, the thing that might be tricky is, and just the nature of just any kind of draft, like the guy who goes third or fourth or whatever, if we have four people doing this, like you get the, if you're the fourth guy, you're getting the second choice of OC and DC nationally, which exactly. is kind of tough. But yeah. uh, not my problem. I, I just simply wouldn't go last. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and plus, guys build good staffs all the time while not having like a uh, good you know, a lot of a lot of like no, I mean like you know if you're the coach at Kansas State, you can't hire your first pick at OC exactly. every year. Yeah, you have exactly. to get staff without it. Well, and, and, um, and more, than, more than that, I think uh, what you're what you're looking at with a lot of these guys too is 
it's always the coordinators in a lot of cases, maybe not at high level teams, um, but a lot of times the coordinators are the ones that shuffle around because they're getting head coaching jobs. Whereas a lot of the position coaches could stick there for a while. And you've seen that with Ohio state having a lot of just basically no turnover on the offensive side of the ball with Brian Hartline. And um, just a lot of these guys have just like stuck around for a long time. So um, all that to say is you can absolutely build a good staff if you focus on uh, position coaches too. hundred um, percent. I'm excited for this, for this next round here, because I am, uh, I think I'm getting two fan favorites. I'm getting a couple, uh, I'm pumped about this. Uh, I am getting the band back together, Patrick. I can you, Patrick. Jesus Christ. Sorry, Kevin. We just talked about Patrick. Uh, uh, Kevin, I'm getting the band back together. I'm hiring one higher that I was terrified you were going to take this pass round that I'm glad I got back to me. Okay. Because I am maybe winning on a technicality here. But we pointed out the guys who disappear from the staff are the 10 on-field assistants. Yep. I am hiring James Laurinaitis, yep. my linebackers coach. <laughs> I, I I almost did. I almost did. That's for, for the record. That's who I would have hired if I did pick linebackers. And I was hovering on linebackers for a second, but I wasn't about to waste it. So that's a great pick. Yeah, I'll let you talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, like he's obviously a very young coach, has that much experience, but like just what we saw, like from him, we did in our game last season as his first year as an analyst. What we see from him as um, someone who's, you know, like been in the media for a while, someone who has a player reputation he has, being a fucking three-time All-American, all these things. And then you also see him come to Ohio State and basically like with some of the changes in recruiting, he's been allowed to be much more involved in the recruiting process. Like he is, Jim Knowles does not really recruit, right? <laughs> so like Ohio State is going to end up with, it looks like three linebackers rank in the top 150 nationally between home homegrown guard Stoke, which is an easy one, but also getting Peyton Pierce from Texas and all everything kid and getting um, Kingston uh, Vilema Asu um, from, uh, uh, from California out of like two just major recruiting guys. He's going to win both of those. He was going to get that kid to come to their game for him, which just tells me it's basically James Laurinaitis the juice, right? It's not Ohio state getting that kid. It's James yeah. Laurinaitis. Um, he is a dog as a recruiter. I think he's a very good position coach. I mean, he's learned under some serious guys. Uh, I think he is like a perfect, he learned under Luke Fickle, right? For a minute, he learned under, um, he, he learned under uh, Marcus Freeman. I was under Jim Knowles. I think like, if you're looking at like just best tutors for linebacker play, I mean, I'm thrilled to get James Ornitis. I, I am pumped about this. And I am doubling down on recruiting here as well. Cause I know Randy Bates is not a recruiter. I'm getting the man, the myth, the legend, the energizer bunny, it's Kerry Combs. He was coming back home to Ohio yeah. State. That's a good I'm, apologi- I'm apologizing to him for Ryan Day's poor conduct. Uh, I'm saying I'm not like that, baby. Just trust me. I'm not the other ones. I'm a good guy. Um, he is coaching cornerbacks and special teams for me uh, on my staff. He is uh, it's where he's good at. I don't want him anywhere near coordinating the defense. I don't want him involved in being like the top defensive backs coach. But if you're just asking for a guy, to, like here's the thing. Everyone talks about running backs, I think, is like the most college-ready position. They seem to need the position needs less, less coaching than anywhere else. Um, quarterbacks are not far behind. Like, especially the system I'm playing uh, with Randy Bates calling the defense here. I am putting my corners on an island a lot, which just tell I just need the best corners. <laughs> like they're playing man coverage. Right. I just want a bunch of guys who are six one, six two, and can run. Like I want Marshawn Lattimore. You know, I want I want Denzel uh, Denzel Ward. I, I want you know Bradley Roby. I, I want uh, a lot of guys. He's got to get there. This is the kind of dude that he like. like he, 
again, terrible coordinator, but he comes in year one and goes in and gets Denzel Burke, who's going to be a three-year starter for Ohio State, all Big Ten every year. He goes in and gets Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson's top 100 recruits, and he landed Ryan Watts, too. Like, he just fills the position overnight with, like, top dogs, and, like, we're still benefiting from it. That's what he does. Um, no, that's... I think... That's that's legit, and I mean that's that's, I think it's scary to want that on your team again after what happened at defensive coordinator. But the caveat is you don't want him anywhere near coordinating your defense. But as a position coach, like he's he's earned his stripes. You know, it's it's very solid. Um, I yeah, and also I mean I should I mentioned too he was sick as a uh, as a as, as a special teams coach. Like That's when he was coaching special teams at Urban Meyer, that was the Piranha unit where like the one I always remember is that 2015 Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame, where oh, yeah. they were just getting pinned down like the 13 yard line every kickoff. And the roles have changed, I get that, but like Ohio State special teams under Kerry Combs were consistently excellent. They were they weren't making procedural penalties. They weren't jumping over the uh, <laughs> jumping over the snapper. They weren't doing the nonsense things that that basically that um, you know the the Parker Fleming era loves to have. Yeah. It was a well-coached, nasty, aggressive, fast for teams unit uh, where he was just a freak. He's screaming at the kickers. I don't like kickers. I want my kickers to be disrespected and, and fear the team. And I don't think Ohio – maybe I'm wrong here. I don't remember Ohio State having more than, like, one or two kids on scholarship on special teams total the whole time he was here. Like, we started putting guys in scholarship on special teams after he left because they couldn't recruit. I don't want – I'm not wasting a scholarship on a kicker. I want my best 85 to be yeah. all football players. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I just that was Kerry Combs running the the special teams was the peak of when Urban Meyer used to talk about it being the tip of the spear. Like oh yeah. Like like when when special teams was like I don't know. There, there was a this. I'm sounding like an old man here. The nostalgic. There was a time when it was like an honor to play special teams at Ohio State, and like they talked it up. Like you know, this is where you like earn your stripes. Like we're gonna have the best special teams in the country, and man, that is. A de- departure from what we have now, but um, that's a that's a great pick, um, especially with Those that, the days. that special, that special yeah. teams, <laughs> especially with that special teams connection. But um, all right, I'm gonna do I'm gonna make my next two picks, and then we're actually gonna end it here for your our first podcast, and then we're gonna split it. Does that seem? Well, right? I get I think I get one more pick, right? You get one more pick too. Oh, you do. I'm yeah, sorry. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going you five go. rounds. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, we can do that. Um, so I will do, I, I will, I will get my next pick. I am going, this is purely a recruiting pick. And I think that this might be a guy that you wouldn't, you would want to, I'm going tight ends, Vince Merrow. Damn. That he was definitely very high on my board. <laughs> so that's a good pick. The, he's the sort of guy where, um, like I, I've, I've been, I mean, I've been an Ohio State fan for my whole life. We've suffered under Kevin Wilson as our tight ends coach for a very long time. I don't give a shit about tight ends. I don't. Um, I've been conditioned not to because it's just, it is what it is. I'm, I don't really care what he does with tight ends. And frankly, their tight ends are, you know, perfectly fine. He's a good tight ends coach too. Whatever. I want him as a recruiter. What he does at Kentucky of all places, um, in terms of of his just ferociousness as a recruiter. I want to give this guy all of the resources and let him just go and get whoever he needs on both sides of the ball. Um, but for all intents and purposes, this is a guy that I think could end up being a, um, I hesitate to give him too much credit, uh, but like this is a guy that could definitely help out your entire recruiting staff as a whole and be like a like 
lesser to a lesser extent like a Mark Pantone um, sort of guy on the recruiting trail. This is a guy that's going to bring the juice on recruiting, and um, I mean, it, there's there's proof in the the players that he has brought to Kentucky of all places in recent years. So yeah, that is my that and is especially my like it's also worth noting here. Like not only does he like get you like the actual tight ends. He recruits the whole state of Ohio, exactly. right? Like, like as we've seen Ohio State take, like, in the NIL era and transfer portal era, they seem to be taking under Mark Pantone a more kind of Ohio-driven approach again where they're they're offering more kids in state. It's critical for those kids to actually be good offers. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, so, and so the other thing is when you had Luke Fickle at Ohio State, he could definitely um, evaluate those – you know, smaller, like those, those lower tier guys. And he would find you that three-star linebacker from a small Ohio school that would pan out. And like, you just trusted, you know, his word was gold in a sense. And I don't think you've had that since you kind of lost that Ohio connection and that like innate Ohio-ness of, on the staff. And uh, Marrow is a guy because he roots, he recruits Ohio so heavy at Kentucky and kind of has to play the rejects. Let's be honest. Um, he's not just going to win a head head to head recruiting battle with Ohio state very often. He has to get he will Michigan though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> he, um, he's not, he's not just going to right now. He's not getting the guys that, um, frankly, Ohio state's recruiting against him for, but he is really good at targeting kind of the lower tier Ohio players. So if you're building a class out of Ohio guys, this is a guy I trust to make sure that the Ohio players you're signing are, you know, actually good and you don't end up with like trailer room. 100%. Which is, I mean, like, you got to have that. It's, it's, a, it's a very good hire. He was certainly someone who, if he got back to me, I was going to be targeting big time. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great hire. I'm, uh, I'm impressed by it. I'm a little jealous. Uh, I wanted to have him myself, but uh, no, he's good, man. Um, and you get one another more. pick, right? Yeah. I am going JT Barrett from the Detroit. Let's go. I'm doing it. Um, you know, I, I think this is, you a- saw me get all the Buckeyes. You were getting mad. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I got, got a little upset. Um, especially Kenny Guyton still hanging out there. You want him to coach your receivers? No, but my, my thing is, I, I guess technically I could have taken Kenny Guyton and made him a wide receiver, a, a quarterback's coach too. That probably would have been allowed, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I, I probably would have, given JT Barrett a chance at a quarterback's coach, um, even if he did not have the coaching experience that he has had the past two seasons with the Detroit Lions. I probably, well, I guess this will be his second season with the Detroit Lions. Um, But since he now has had actual NFL coaching experience, uh, granted it's not like a, a lucrative position or anything, but he does have coaching experience. You know, this is a guy that I'm willing to take a flyer on. I, I don't, I think that he would be and is a much better coach than he is a quarterback. I think this is a guy that was successful in the way that he was because of the uh, traits that translate to coaching more than the traits that uh, translate to being a quarterback. It's the you know ability to lead a team, um, ability to uh, you know overcome DUIs, the ability to um, <laughs> you know read a defense and just all of the sort of things that makes you a um, an, an, an asset to a locker room more than an asset on the field. And I am willing to give that a, uh, a, a shot on um, just, just see what it does. I guess I, I think that's also kind of a low stress position because that's the sort of thing where, um, you know, I've got Andy Ludwig. He's kind of a quarterback's guy too. Uh, he can oversee 
that and then like kind of let JT Barrett do the legwork and the recruiting and stuff. But I'd love to have JT Barrett on the recruiting trail. I'd love to have him in the locker room, um, all those sorts of things. So uh, that's that's my pick it, it um, in this round. And I think yeah, I, it's a very. I have pretty much just gone all offense, haven't I? Yeah. You do. You have rather, and I have pretty much gone all defense. Well, that's just how it goes. I think I'm going to break it though. I think in my in my last pick of the round here, I think I'm going to take someone on def- on offense rather. Okay. Um, I am sorting this out right now. Who I'm who I'm pushing for? I am between. I'm between a couple guys. Um, although I think. I might have an edge here on you in this one, so I want to be careful about what I'm going to say. <laughs> so I'm thinking this out. Um, hmm. uh, I, I'm sorry, this is terrible podcasting. Uh, I, I'm just kind of processing mentally right now. It's kind of tough because, look, there are basically there are three coaches in between. And I'll be honest, they're kind of Ah, shit, they're kind of two coaches. Um, look, all right, I can do this. So I'll just I'll spoil some of my some of my thinking. I'm between three running backs coaches. Uh, they are Larry Porter, North Carolina, uh, Corey Patterson at Purdue, and Brian Anderson at Kansas State. Are you considering any of these guys? Those are the three that I was considering. <laughs> I also could, like Jimmy Smith if, at Arkansas. Yeah, but. if you could see my face, yeah, I, I'm sure you were looking at the list and not my face. But everyone you said, I smiled <laughs> a little bit more. Those, those were the three guys, not necessarily in that order, but the three guys that that are on my list. So let's go, dude. I love that. It's <laughs> here. Here's what I'm at. Larry Porter is the guy who's like been around the longest. He's been in college ball fucking forever. He was. National Recruiter of the Year twice when he was on staff at LSU. And he coached there less miles. He had uh, he had Jacob Hester, he had Joseph Adai, he had Trendon Holiday, uh, Stephen Ridley played for him. He put Tatum Bell onto the Broncos out of, out, of, out of Oklahoma State before that. A lot of big names. He also had Michael Carter, who was really good in North Carolina. Um, very, very good recruiter. Chandler Cox, who I think ended up doing really well at Auburn, was a guy he got. Like, There's a lot of names this guy has brought in here who have just played around college football, around pro football. Uh, Ty Shelley, the recruitment. Corey Patterson is like so, – so I think Corey Patterson I'm probably not going to pick, but I'll just pick up him for a second here. He is like a St. Louis recruiting dog. That's an area where Ohio State likes to be good at. He was a high school coach at St. Louis forever. Um, very good coach. He, he came there – out of the high school ranks. He was at Trinity in, in, uh, in St. Louis and brought quite a few guys to Illinois when he was coaching there. Um, he also was the guy who developed and coached the most part, Chase Brown. Chase Brown, as you know, he's not on your Bengals, one of my favorite running backs in college football yep. history. I love him. Um, he's so good. Uh, and also got a lot better under Patterson, but and he was an All-American, right? Like, producing All-American in Illinois is hard. He's also Canadian. You turn a Canadian guy into a running back, that's tough. They're not they're not that's they're not known for that. Yeah. Um and the other dude is Brian Anderson, who's kind of my sleeper pick. He's a Midwestern guy. He was at Minnesota for a while. We had some good backs. Um, but I mean, like, it's the difference in the kind of backs he's produced that I think is really cool. Like, obviously, Deuce Vaughn is a name everyone knows of Kansas State last year. Right, that's it. I mean, and he's just like a little scat back. He catches the football, he runs, he does everything. Like he has had some 
I don't know. Um, some crazy guys pay for him there. He also has been at Minnesota and got David Cobb, and he was very good. He recruited Mo Ibrahim, but had to leave before Mo Ibrahim started playing. He got him early enrollee and then got hired elsewhere. Um, I think he actually had a medical problem or something like that, and then, and then got hired elsewhere after the fact. Um, he's a little old. He's been coaching for 29 years. <laughs> it's fair to say. He's been around the block a couple times, but Deuce Vaughn, and he also last year had an All-Big 12 player as a redshirt freshman, uh, DJ Giddens, and then just now, in my opinion, got the best or second best back in the entire transfer portal, Latreshawn Ward at a Florida State. Like, yep. he is a he's a dog. Like, and he got to keep DJ Giddens while while getting a brand trade shot award. So I'm struggling to pick between Larry Porter and Brian Anderson, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't know what I want to do. Who do you like? <laughs> I don't know, you're not going to tell me honestly, but yeah. I mean, I will, I will, I will be honest. My two that I was between were Brian Anderson and Corey Patterson. Okay. Um, but I, I think uh, oddly enough, I think Larry Porter is the safer of the picks just in terms yeah. of who he's produced and how those players have fared and how like it, there, there's more of a track record there and less of like a risk, I guess when you're applying it to a big name program. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, you just know, as my background, I lean towards recruiting above all else. Like exactly. recruiting is what I care about. And he not only has like been a good recruiter, like at multiple stops, He's done it in multiple areas. Like he coached at LSU was a top recruiter. He went to Oklahoma State was top recruiter. Like he's done it right. in Texas, in the Bayou, in Georgia. Like he was at Auburn and North Carolina, which rely on Georgia a lot. He was at Texas for a minute. He's down in the Carolinas. Like he was at UCF in Florida. Like he's been everywhere. Um Yeah, I think I have to he's also been a Burles Award finalist three times. Jesus, I gotta take Larry Porter. Uh I love Ryan Anderson. He's a great pick. You'll probably get him in a few rounds, but I'm taking Larry Porter. Cool. All right. Well, for, that's our first round. For yeah. Those you, for those of you who are not paying money to us, you will have heard that what in a week. Um, if you yeah. are, if you if you're freeloading, you're going to hear this in a week. And by the time you're hearing this, you can just go ahead and subscribe right now and hear the rest of the podcast um, that will be for our uh, for our um, premium listeners. Yeah, this this is some weird time travel here. For our, for our premium listeners, this is the point in the podcast where you're gonna have to wait a week to hear. Is that right? Is that That's right. They gotta wait a week. Yeah, I think yeah. we gotta do it okay. that way because I am going to Mexico. Um, <laughs> so yeah. we're we're recording two we're recording two podcasts tonight. But um, yeah, look, listen to it, check it out. Um, excuse me. Um, I think you guys are gonna like it a lot. Um, if you're, if you have, if you're not paying yet, again, use the code July two, five, it's still active by now. Use that code, get a discount, come join us. Uh, we're going to talk about this on the boards too. So this is going to be, or, I think what we're going to do is drop our teams on the boards, the first half of them and have discussion all week going on who we should pick. So maybe we're gonna get some better ideas for our, our subscribers who are smarter than us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and but, but we, we won't actually be able to use those ideas because we will have, we're going to draft right now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's gonna be good yeah. to hear them like analyze and see what we do but yeah yeah um this is good so i will uh i will kevin i will talk to you quote unquote next week on the podcast of course uh we'll see you guys in the premium here in a few minutes